right. Hello, everybody. It's time for another Tech 37. My name is Rob Boyd, and I'm excited because today is a continuation of a topic we just keep uh, going deeper and deeper into because, quite frankly, uh, many of you have asked for it and, and want to know more. And, uh, and actually, it turns out what we're doing now is we're almost following the, uh, the building of a deeper and deeper service. Uh, we'll have you, our good friend Tanner is back with us. I'm going to let him introduce himself in just a moment, but he's got a very special guest that I'm excited for us to dig deeper into as we continue to cover AI ops, specifically around automation and some of the new things that are happening now, how they're getting done and what it could do for you. So welcome to Tech 37, your home for technology, education and collaboration. My name is Rob Boyd. Welcome to the show. All right. Well, gentlemen, welcome to Tech 37. Thank you for taking the time out. Looks like you're both actually in the office today, which is amazing. Who says there's not progress? We're coming around. That's good stuff. Um, I'll tell you, let's do some introductions here real quick. We're talking AI ops. Obviously, anytime we see Tanner, we know that we're going to get into something like that. But we're always getting into different new angles. And we'll get to know that gentleman on, uh, well, above me to your left, Tanner, whatever, whatever. Anyway, Tanner, introduce yourself for anybody who might be joining us for the first time. Sure. Hey, Rob, it's always good to see you. And thanks for having us back. Uh, my name is Tanner Bechtel and I lead uh, AI ops and uh, uh, kind of the go to market side of automation here at Worldwide Technology. And this has always been uh, an enjoyable place for us to begin. But it's also proven over these last few episodes to be a really interesting way to start to break down what is a pretty complex topic. So I appreciate you having us back. Yeah, no, and, and I learn something different every time. Each time I think, okay, I got this, I got this, and then you spring something on me. Um, speaking of which, though, springing something on me that I've really been enjoying is getting to know Mike, um, Mike Servacio. Am I pronouncing that correctly, Mike? That good? You got okay. it, yes. Well, who are you? What do you, what do, you do? Are you, uh, do you work for Worldwide Technology? What's the, what's the story here? I do, funny enough. Um, <clears throat> so I'm the practice lead for solutions architecture for AI ops. Um, started here January 4th, and I've been working my past 90 days on engaging with stuff I love to do, talking to customers and talking to them about business-based decisions and solutions that involve people, process, and technology. Okay. Well, keep your, I hope you have water nearby because we're going to have a lot of questions for you and we'll get into this. But I thought, Tanner, I wonder if you could give us some, perfect, give us some context around uh, well, who Mike is, how that fits in today's mm-hmm. show, and maybe where today's show kind of builds on some of the previous stuff that we've done. Uh, so obviously, Mike is a member of your team. And uh, our last episode, I think we had Tree on. Tree was a mm-hmm. member of your team. I jokingly, I was going to say this in the open. I don't think I did, but I was going to start calling this series, Are You Tanner's Smartest Employee? And we don't actually <laughs> answer that during the show, uh, but people can weigh in. You know, I don't want to do it, you know. But uh, you keep introducing me to really smart people. But yeah, what what brings about today's topic and why is Mike here? Yeah, so definitely. Um, So Mike Servacio comes to us uh, by a long line of uh, credible past, my friend. He's uh, he's been, one, an instrumental part of where we're moving around the architecture and actually translating that for the customer. But Mike comes off of a couple of decades in the business, in IT operations inside of... uh, uh, pretty major global financial organization. And so, whereas we have done a lot around R&D to build, Mike has lived that day to day. So his role in solution architecture, so we talked to Tree last week, right? Tree is really the, leader, leads <laughs> leads the delivery. Yeah, not last week. It was week. A longer I than a week ago, like I, I hate to tell you. <laughs> I know, yeah. we look around a regular episode of Tech 37 here. 
uh, Tree leads the delivery service engine. So all of the architecture where, you know, where the rubber meets the road effectively, how do we put this stuff into motion and how do we actually make it real? So Mike's role is equal, equal to trees uh, from a leadership point of view, but Mike leads our solution architecture side of the business. So okay. when we engage, we must understand, you know, current existing architecture, business objectives. He, he made mention of people, process and technology. Um, ultimately, it is about combining those in the right, you know, in the right amounts and sure. the right levels so that we are addressing the business objectives and actually turning the goal of AI ops, which we've talked a lot about the philosophy and the architecture and the discipline and really taking that and turning it into how it works for each of our individual customers. And so each of those is very unique. Yeah. Um, it's very unique based on what they're after. It's very unique based on what they seek. We talked about full stack observability being com of a, a component to that and Cisco's play and positioning in that space. We're going to move and talk a little bit more about really what is the infrastructure side of the house look like too, mm. because we have, we, we both the understanding of what's happening at the application level, you know, what, what are our users see our customers, customers, but then what are the levers we pull to actually make changes and increase the, the, the satisfaction of that experience or the transactional capability of those experiences. And a lot of that has to do with infrastructure. How we, how do we automate? How do we understand it? How do we collect all of that? You know, if you think back to the overarching philosophy of what we're focused upon is how do we take events and metrics and time series data and logs and traces and create what is ultimately the the high value material, the alluvium at the at the base of all of that uh, component. Was that alluvium? I didn't. I missed that. That was a big word. Just flew past it's, me. It's a, <laughs> you know, I love to do that. I love to throw these words. Well, they're not here. hard to uh, find ones. I don't know. But yeah, what was that? Right. It's, it's alluvium. It's actually what is that, what is left the sedimentary, the sedimentary properties oh, and the resources reference. that is left when okay. a lot of waterways come into contact. Right. I don't know. All right. I go down deep holes with the big brain on Tanner. All right, go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> I love but it. Ultimately what, what we're trying to do is we're trying to help. This series has been really good for us because it allows us to take a multi-step process through how we see this, you yeah. know, it's, it's people, process, and tech, but everybody can talk about that. How do we start to break those elements down and really start to say, okay, day one, day two, what are we doing to actually instrument and make change at different levels of the data center architecture so that we're delivering on the promise of AI ops? And so yeah. this journey has been real interesting. And today we're going to tilt and look more at some of our partners in the infrastructure automation and AI ops space like ScienceLogic. You know, this is a, a critical tool for us. And Mike will get into that a little bit. But Mike has really been, you know, complimentary uh, to Mike. He has been instrumental in really helping us take a commanding role of what that architecture looks like, not just from a best practices point of view on our side of the house, but really what does it look like? He spent he spent 30 years sitting in an IT operations environment and living this every day. So his role is really to bridge concept to reality. We talk about, I think it's maybe on this board behind me. Uh, yes, the idea to outcome, right? That yeah. is really our task at Worldwide is to take business objective concepts and deliver the outcome that the business needs that our customers seek. And Mike has really been the way that we're doing that day to day. And so even since we started talking, our practice has grown substantially. Well, this is what I want to ask you, because I, I don't know how mm -hmm. much you can share what you're, because you talk about your practice has grown. And to a certain extent, I almost mm -hmm. feel like there's a subtle thing going on here with each time you and I do a show um, around AI ops, you have 
and I don't know how much we'd say, but you've really grown in terms of your operation, yeah. not just number of people and things like this, but the customers, the industries, uh, mm -hmm. because you're not tackling a small thing here with the group in the sense that you're not looking to say, here's a, here's a product or a set of technologies that are going to, they're going to solve right. all your problems. Just trust me. You're saying there is no single technology. It really does require an understanding of someone's business and a lot of very uncomfortable, I'd say uncomfortable. I don't mean to say it sound negative, but I mean, this really yeah. is a, I think AI ops when it's fully achieved really feels like it's a, it's a nirvana of, of really being of IT tied to the business at such a level that the instrumentation is in lockstep, uh, everybody's at the table and you're making database decisions around what you're gonna mm -hmm. do. And that's not simple to help people do that because obviously these businesses are operating while you're helping them in this transition, but you guys have grown, yes? Without question. And you landed on something there that I always like to repeat on this to anybody that's trying to educate themselves. I spend a lot of time talking about demystifying AI ops. You know, we're not, this is not rocket science. As much as we spend a great deal of time talking about tech and the instrumentation of all that technology, these, these things are very accessible to enterprise organizations or smaller organizations. It's not something that is the limited field of, of, of high-tech organizations or global finance teams. And the key to it, the key to start is to really see the consultative aspect of it. Yeah. Right? It's to begin understanding the basics and what's important. We ask a lot of questions that are very straightforward, that are complicated, but not complex. Yeah. You know, understanding how we start to piece together those architectural elements to reach a business objective is the most important aspect of what we're doing. And so that's that's really been our focus. You've watched us grow. But ultimately, what we've done, what we've done is we've been able to actually start really doing this at scale and really seeing the outcome and the impact of these things. So as yeah. people watch this, I always love these because they're almost chronological chapters in growth. Yeah. If you watch them from the beginning, you understand the philosophy and the concept. And we talked about the delivery of that service uh, on the last episode of really what's it look like, you know, today, what do you do tomorrow and how do you get it started? And so Mike today is going to kind of pare that down and give well, us a little bit of insight about what it looks like from the infrastructure. Side. Well, let's jump into that, Mike, because Mike, first of all, I'm mm -hmm. impressed or saddened or amazed. I don't know what the right term is that you've only been with worldwide and Tanner since January. It's too early to to really say, if, if you like Tanner, uh, if you trust him, I, I like him. I think that's, I think there's good stuff there, but obviously you saw something in this team. Can you give us a little bit of your background and a little bit about what brought you to worldwide after what sounds sure. like a pretty involved career? I mean, still yeah, a career. So, so yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, I spent um, a few decades at a major global financial services company. Um, always in, in a role to provide performance and um, actionable insights, you know, from back then it was monitoring and then, it, you know, the term observability came in and eventually AI ops automation has always been there, but working uh, from a customer perspective on That's... solutioning our tier one applications uh, to provide availability, customer satisfaction, and, uh, and also map out user journey. So, you know, a few decades with a global financial services company, and then six years with a, um, a systems integrative R on the pre-sale side. Interesting. So okay. I, I, yeah, I always, it's weird. I, I enjoy being on the pre-sale side more than working for a company. I, I mean, my time at my former company was fantastic, 
but I love getting in front of the customer and, you know, hear it and listen, sorry, listen and, and, and see it through a business lens, understanding their business challenges yeah. and what outcomes they're trying to achieve and not coming in with a, a solution like a, 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 an APM tool or a, a networking tool, really listening what they have to say, what are their pain points, and then coming back with the right solution that meets their requirements the best. So well, I, I want to that. center on something that you're saying there just real quick. So you're on the customer side yeah. for a great many years. And it, if I'm, I'm, I don't remember, I don't know the exact date that we started making up the term. I think Gartner did it, but AIOps, <laughs> you obviously were looking to do something that we ended up calling AIOps before it was called AIOps. You mentioned monitoring. Is that where some of your passion grew in terms of what kind of data is available and then what can we do with that data? And you were kind of pursuing that when it was not cool, so to speak? <laughs> yeah, it was definitely not cool. Um, yeah. So it, it was always monitoring or observability was always an afterthought. Um, yeah. An application was released into production. Some performance issue pops up. Hey, Mike, remember you talked to us a few months ago about monitoring? Yeah, we're interested now. So it was always now you're interested. Trying, yeah. <laughs> it was always trying to to get that as early as possible in the software development lifecycle and, and getting that a common language of metrics, telemetry data, the right telemetry data introduced as early as, as possible into application releases. Nowadays, you know, you know, at the end of every sprint, you know, I believe you need to do not only test automation of functional, but also non-functional performance testing. Because after at the end of each sprint, if you don't measure, by the time you go to deliver the, the, the end product, oh, shoot, the performance is worse. Um, and we, we need to go back to the drawing board. So it just cracks me up how much we see nowadays is we see IT guys speaking with developer terms and these, these agile methodologies because they definitely overlap now, of course. And, and you're mentioning things that are extremely uh, critical to business success. And, um, yeah. and so that's interesting to me. Okay. So what, 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 what did you yeah. see about worldwide technology doing something different? Cause if I remember in one of our previous conversations, you weren't necessarily looking to do something different, but something caught your eye. I don't know what, or, yeah. and, and, or what have you found out now? Hopefully it's been supported. Based I, I on guess, um, I guess everyone says that I wasn't looking, but yeah. uh, in my role, in my pre-sales role at a system integrator, um, I was, asked to cover a broad range of technologies and, and that's hard to do to be technically relevant, you know, a mile wide and, and an inch deep, but, um, we each had a area of specialization. So mine, because of my passion and experience was monitoring digital end user experience, monitoring, uh, eventually observability, logging, analytics, machine learning, all that fun stuff. So it was always kind of a, a side job. There wasn't a practice, um, and, you know, I had a weekly update from LinkedIn. Hey, what's going on in the industry? And I, I saw this posting with, with Tanner and I, I did some spying on him. I used my, my FBI hat and I actually joined the WWT platform, registered, Smart. listened to some Tech, 30, tech 37s. I Smarter. read some of his articles uh -huh. and I said, damn, this sounds like a really <laughs> high octane team. Nice. Uh, and then, and then I had someone I knew that worked at WWT and said, is this true? What do you think of this guy, Tanner? How's the culture at WWT? And it was, it was all check, check, check. I, I got to talk to Tanner. So, uh, you know, I got the interview and 
the rest is is history. And also, you know, from a WWT perspective, I want to, you know, toot our own horn. Eleven years in a row, one of the hundred best places. I was just going to bring it. Congratulations! Back in the eleventh year now in a row. That's amazing. Well, and and I don't know. I don't want to talk. I, I everyone I've I've worked with worldwide in various capacities since two thousand eleven. I think. And everyone I've ever met has, it's been, it's a really consistent culture. Uh, and so I'm always excited to meet someone new because I, I don't know, I just always learn something and, and everybody's always good about that kind of thing. And everybody's pushing, everybody's pushing their limits. They're pushing, what can they do? Um, and you guys have customer relationships coming out everywhere. And um, okay. So with that, let me ask you, so Tanner mentioned, you know, we talked about actionable data and some of the things that we've talked about previously. And I really want, if you're okay with this, Tanner, I really want Mike's opinions on things because Mike, you bring a lot of expertise here. You're on the pre-sale side, if I understand correctly. So just so if anybody's aware, you are a resource that if someone engages with worldwide technology, they potentially could be working with you at some stage in their journey. And this isn't a turnkey. This isn't something you guys just go, okay, here you go. Uh, What's here's this... (laughs) AI ops skew, whatever that skew number is. Um, right. But when it comes to data, I feel like you mentioned your background in monitoring. What is the status of monitoring and what's required in monitoring to be successful with? Because I feel like there's a different notion of real-time data that SNMP and polling and stuff isn't going to cut it, um, you know, for doing what you guys uh, I've embarked on with your customers. Can you tell me about what's important about data and feel free to branch into some opinions about what you're seeing with the customer base that you're anxious to help them improve upon? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, um, you know, everyone talks about being data driven, uh, data driven results, um, seeing it in practice. Um, you know, it's, it's not as prevalent as, as you may think. So, you know, my perspective is, there's a lot of point solutions that have been deployed at customers for monitoring and they, and they, they feel they are, all their systems are observable, which basically means, you know, the internal state of those systems can provide external outputs to, to let you know, Hey, my, my heart's fine, but I'm, you know what? My blood pressure is a little high. I need to go in for a checkup. That's great to have observables. Definitely table stakes in my opinion today, what is the next step is getting those um, intelligent and actionable insights that can deliver high value automation and collaboration and through that get to reduce mean time to repair get to uh, fault domain isolation as quickly as possible get the right teams engaged as early as possible and and in a safe way, you know, initiate some self-healing with automation to avoid a business disruption. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so it's it's observability is fantastic. You know, an example I'll give is, um, you know, there's a, there's a burning building. You could observe it. There's there's flames coming out the window. I see smoke. Oh shoot! Let's call the fire department. Oh, let's shoot! I hope everyone's okay. I don't know where the fire is originating. That's observable. Yeah. It's you know, what you need to get to is to have place, you know, things in, in place for, you know, heat sensors, not just smoke detectors, but heat sensors, automation mm-hmm. to, you know, a signal goes off in a part of the apartment building. It, it signifies, the, you know, it signals the fire department to get it on site as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. And by the way, the fire started in a Tanner's apartment in 12 G because he's trying some new recipe and he, he had a grease fire again. So okay. it's a recurring issue with Tanner, but we know it's now plausible. that we know that. 
we could deploy them to the 12th floor, the G apartment, get to the root cause quick, and even put in things for suppression to uh, avoid a fire the next time. Right. And I want to add to that, Mike. So he's he's landing yeah. on something that is extremely important and, and kind of a quiet evolution of what's happened. When we look at where AIOps began, because AIOps was kind of a fruit of performance monitoring and management, right? I mean, everything, if you think about the funnel of what a data center is, the bottom of that funnel is really the, the user. It's mm -hmm. me depositing a check or me booking a vacation or what have you. We started at code level. You know, this AI ops and monitoring really began around the code. What do we need to do to the code? Where's the problem? You know, is it in the pipeline? Is it in the, is it in the code level? What has happened and what we have been enabled to do now is to really look at AI ops through the lens of automation. You know, it's automated operations, it's developer, automated developer platforms, and it's automated infrastructure. Those capabilities, if you think about this, right, those we've created, uh, even worldwide, we've created a, a scientific expertise around those areas of the business, CICD pipeline management. Um, we're, we're masters at automated infrastructure on this side of the house, but what do you do with that? You know, what is the thing that flips the switch? If I want to spin up new environments or, 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 you know, open up or create more, add more space or add more compute power, storage, et cetera, that automated infrastructure component and the awareness of that opens up a brand new part of AI ops capabilities to really affect not just performance. It's not about putting, as to use his example, it's not about putting out the fire. We want to prevent the fire altogether. You know, let's, let's go to the building materials area of this fire science example and say, we know that if we switch out the building material, I don't know, <laughs> our parable is going too deep. If we can figure <laughs> out how to actually change the infrastructure side of the business, you know, we talk yeah. about Cisco's FSO platform for network visibility and for application visibility. And we look at tools like ScienceLogic, which now give us the ability to start to make functional changes, to automate changes at in create awareness around the infrastructure that we didn't have. So to put that in, mm. to put that into basic, uh, basic terms, AI ops began as a way to stop things from, you know, MTTR meantime, meantime to resolve. I don't want to resolve anything. You know, I don't want to, yeah. yeah, I don't want to break up fights. I want to prevent fights. I want to get to Good the way. point where we are turning past zero. And that's always been my goal is to get past zero. I want to get to, forecasted capability. I want to be able to say, okay, I can now watch the infrastructure and I can set intelligent machine learning based thresholds around things. So I have visibility, not into just the performance for the end user while the back of the house is struggling. I want to be able to start utilizing automation to create elemental changes that are using, you know, event correlated machine learning based or AI based fingerprints that allow me to tune. It's not just about mm. putting out fires. It's about so it's not the fire department, it's, it's fire science. I want to prevent yeah. damage altogether. I want to prevent outage altogether and moving past the outage, get past the crisis and start to look at what is the objective? Well, I want to, I want to move the majority of my infrastructure to a cloud environment, or I want to, I want to understand the per transaction infrastructure cost at a very finite level, but also take those metrics and start to develop insight and ways that I can set KPIs around business objectives to actually make substantive changes to the data center itself versus just seeking out that 
proverbial fire. Let me run something past you, because I think in in my mind, the way I'd put it, and feel free to correct me and expand on this or completely change Mm -hmm. it, whichever, but I feel like AOPS is almost a requirement for any modern infrastructure in the sense that, and you've brought up a couple of these things, we're dealing with very ephemeral um, objects and and workflows and things like this. Things, uh, you know, with our infrastructure that may only be there for a moment uh, and then they're gone. Uh, and, and, you know, and so understanding your environment, you remember how we used to complain that customers, we could never get a customer's uh, drawings of their network. Now the, the idea of drawing the network at any given moment in time seems ludicrous at this point because yeah. it would it would, I mean, we thought it was ludicrous then, but now it's even worse. But then there's also, you mentioned cloud and the fact that mm-hmm. a lot of our operations are happening in places that we don't have the same type of visibility to, uh, or it feels like we don't have to watch as much, even though we should know better by now. Uh, and or, you know, users have more ability in their hands now to, um, again, those that we talk about shadow IT, but that's grown into it. You know, you don't make your users happy. They're going to run around and figure out how to make themselves happy um, mm-hmm. and, and implement and then, but when, with science logic, I think of them as operations management. And I think of them spanning, um, you know, a lot of different tools, other monitoring systems that are good at what they do, but then being able to bring that infrastructure awareness in so that the automation can make better decisions, knowing that there's no backup to that process. So therefore it is more critical perhaps, or, or something like that. Is, yeah. is that where that kind of thing fits? Yeah. Mike, you want to expand on that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, you know, science logic is one of our, you know, go to market. Um, partners, and they fill an important, you know, space for us. And it's it's infrastructure and network visibility and understanding the relationships between business services, mm. the application, and the underlying infrastructure. You know, compute, storage, network, load balancers. Being able to bring that together holistically um, is critical. You know, if, if you're monitoring your application, that's great, but you also have to tie in in context what's the underlying infrastructure because that could change like in a, you mentioned like in a cloud environment it's it's ephemeral you know these things are meant to be elastic uh, they're up they're down they could spool up spool down and it could be a nightmare for traditional monitoring systems uh, you yeah. know so for science logic they, they fill an important niche for us and they could intake any any of that data that i just talked about from infrastructure and network and they can make sense out of it and put it in context and, and, and do, do some intelligence around is context te- where we begin is that where we begin to get the trust because I always my thing and this came from my background in security where I don't trust anything to make decisions on my behalf until I've been through the fire a couple times with them but I think a lot of our customers are looking at things now and they're going there is no time for a human to be in the middle of the process response um, we, we we seek automation because of the fact that it feels like the response has to be at the same speed as the things that are happening or, or they're just yeah. fruitless. Um, is that where it's a science, lo- science logic kind of help bring that context in that becomes necessary to make those trusted decisions and trust your infrastructure to yeah. be able to respond appropriately? Yeah. So it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm always a skeptic, so I want to trust, but verify, validate, yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of start with small, easy automation, um, get a few of those going, but, you know, in the end, those more complex things uh, that need to be done, you know, you still want to have maybe a, 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 an, a, an engineer or someone look at it and, and like we said, isolate high value decision making. So they have enough information. OK, let's start. Now we can start this process to quickly get get it resolved. So there may be you know, a mix of both. And 
and the fear of automation are, are going to take jobs. Um, I, I don't see that. It, it's just going to elevate. No, we need the all the help we can get. <laughs> yeah, right. absolutely. Mm-hmm. They're going to help automate those mundane manual tasks that are prone to human errors and free you up to do more strategic, more fun things than, you know, being on a, a call at 2 a.m. and figuring things out. It's funny you bring that up because I have yet to meet a customer, though, because every I hear people say that engineers say that is there because we're always concerned about what do I need to understand in my skill set? What do I need to be studying? Because as you mentioned in your career, you know, it's like you got to pick your battle sometimes to what are you going to be good at? And, and and things are moving fast. But I yet have yet to meet a customer, Tanner, that that is uh, complaining because I have too many, you know, too many people on the IT team and they're just twiddling their thumbs. I've never <laughs> seen that. Um, we're all just, you know, at the most, what they want to do is get rid of the fires so they can get to the stuff that's deeper on the to-do list, uh, you know, that's important but not urgent, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, right. <clears throat> yeah. One of our target focus areas, honestly, like at the root of what we're trying to do is having spent my life on the application development side in, in IT operations, we've always been seen as a necessary evil. You know, IT operations is a, a means by which you get what you need to do the business, right? It's never, and I don't say this as a blanket statement, but generally it's not seen as a, an instrument to reach business objectives or, yeah. or measurable. In, There's in been a way. disconnect, yeah. There's been very big disconnect, right? So what we are trying to do is we're trying to, sh- you know, you talked about decision-making and trust, trust, but verified, dig down into the roots of that. What do you need to verify? You need data, right? You need yeah. data points. I need to know all the details I can before I make a decision and whether that decision is a manual one done by someone, you know, in the knock or at a desk in an office or remote, or it doesn't really matter. That person needs to know, needs to be able to make a high value decision. I go yeah. back to that. I know we, we harp on it a lot, but our goal is not to create an aggregated area where all this data comes in. You know, everybody always fancies themselves in having one of these, like, I need this thing where I can get it all together and see it. No, you don't. (laughs) No, you don't. You're really smart. You need to tell us, you know, or or create an environment where your IT operations organization is actively partnering with the business to reach those business objectives, whatever they might be, and then providing and filling in all of those dark, invisible places with data, because that's what leads to automation. Once you have that context and once you can start to aggregate network performance data and outside the WAN data and infrastructure data and cost and, you know, customer satisfaction and all of those things, your decision making process becomes much, much simpler at that point. You don't have to rely on, on one individual or gut instinct. You are making smart decisions based on data. The old Maytag repairman. I'm always thinking of that one. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, ah, oh. for me, back at one of the first hotels I ever worked for, it was the guy, is the only guy that knew how to work on the AS400. And it's like, God forbid, when he retires, we're all sunk. Um, mm-hmm. But the, um, I, I'm curious, Tanner, how do people, as we've got maybe five minutes left, but how do people generally come to you? Because I feel like there is a big thing between, I think everybody can pretty norm, easily understand the value of data. We're certainly heard AI, ML, we hear these things. And it feels like your team has been charged with helping people kind of bring those together. Because when you bridge IT and business, I see why it's important, but I also get scared about how do you get started with something like that? And yeah, how does that's that the biggest question? Go? Yeah. Uh, honestly, that's the biggest question. We never really get uh, strong pushback on any of the approach. Everybody has a different flavor, but the one big question we get is, 
in one of a hundred ways, how does this start? What's the most important? You know, a lot of people ask us that, what, what pieces do we have? And we show them as part of kind of our process, you know, getting to know folks and getting to know their environment. We ask them to kind of self position themselves in maturity. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a maturity curve that we just say, where do you want to be and where are you? What's the journey you're, you're, you want to take? And, and many times people want to get, they want to get far, but they also see that they're not very far. And that's a bit intimidating. And I always tell them that it's not, it doesn't have to be, you know, you start with observability. Observability is critical. And I, and that's seeing what's out there, knowing, yeah. knowing what you're dealing with, right. Getting all the metrics and data put together. And the principal starting point is really just engagement. That's, that's the one thing that we're all engineers. Our whole team is, you know, former people that have lived this stuff. Mike uh, is, you know, the banner example of living on the other side of it, trying to solve for it. So what we've been able to do with folks is just educate, mm. show them, get them involved, get them engaged. We do a thing called an AI ops uh, readiness workshop, and it is ultimately just a collection of architecture. It's a collection of stuff, you know, what's in your junk drawer, what do you have? And what we do is take and recontextualize that and show them where they've got uh, duplicity and show them where they've got, got gaps and then make, baseline recommendations and then honestly the appetite of the organization or the or the objective focus for what they're trying to reach really dictates the speed at which they that pursue that and sometimes we do it you know sometimes they do it uh, sometimes it's a blend of that expertise in their field because we have it operations as an intelligent uh, component of enterprise yeah. business so we work hand in hand with them to really just to say big journey map you know, where do we want to stop off first? Is it well, performance monitoring, observability, et cetera? And you remind me, though, that in this Mike brought up in our pre-conversations, too, is you seem to be very good because this comes up a lot. And every time I've interacted with you at finding you're also interested in finding out what a customer is already invested in. So not just in knowledge, but in terms of tools, because uh, there's if anything, we all have a lot of tool overlap, but we don't always realize mm -hmm. that we have it. Um, yes, there's a certain argument to be made if you may not have the best tool for what you want to achieve, and that's certainly worth considering. But at the same time, there's a there's a thing that says, let's not waste our money uh, in places where the investments right. have already been made. And I like yeah. the fact that's a conscious part of your service. Yeah. And, and it's a thing absolutely. That... It's, yeah, Go ahead, absolutely. We want, to, we want to maximize the investments they already made. Mm -hmm. um, and, but also identify areas where there's blind spots and, and make you know, informed recommendations to them. We had to go run because we're out of time. And, and I'm going to tell everybody that you need to go to www.wt.com and it'll come up. And that's our common thing. Uh, so speaking to our audience, you guys, I encourage you to join the platform. Because what that means is not saying, hey, I'm, and you probably already you would have had to, to watch this live uh, anyhow. But other things you can do if you start poking around is, is you can follow Mike. You can follow Tanner. You can follow a topic like AI Ops or other things. Uh, but you can also interact and get... Um, and work with tools and play with different things that maybe you hadn't had a chance to do because of the lab environment. And so my one just final question, Mike, I think this is your, are you in St. Louis right now? I know you don't live there, but did you make your- I'm in St. Louis now, I live in Phoenix now. Right. And so are, are you seeing this, uh, the Advanced Technology Center? Is this the first time you've physically seen it? Yeah, it's impressive. Um, it's, it's a differentiator, definitely. Um, so it's-, it's We talk know, about it all the time, but for good reason. I don't know of any, I don't know of anybody that's made the investment um, that Worldwide has. You've got every yeah. major and minor, it feels like OEM mm -hmm. uh, running in there from a technology perspective and all that becomes a foundation upon which 
you guys tend, I say play, but upon which you guys run experiments and you test and you say, how, how would this application react in this situation? Well, let's find out and let's see if that's going to work. Let's recreate a proof of concept, uh, not on paper, but in reality. And you guys are doing, yeah. spinning these up and spinning these down. I don't know how you begin to manage it uh, with as much business as you're doing, but um, but it's amazing. And I think it's a great resource. And I know it had to be one of the reasons, Mike, that you chose Worldwide is you're like, this is a playground I could have access to. Yeah. Absolutely. And, <laughs> Perfect. And Tana, Tana promised me free lunch. For oh, the rest of my career. that one I had not heard of. All right. I'm going to come back around yeah, and see what I can bring. Easy win. Easy win, Mike. Obviously. <laughs> well, Tanner, as always, very much enjoy your time, your team, and the knowledge that you guys share. Uh, it always goes by too fast. Mike, good to meet you. Um, it's good to have you on that Same team. Here. I'm sure we're going to be interacting more as we go forward. And to our audience, again, WWT.com is the platform that you need to join both to follow the upcoming shows as we get new topics, watch Tanner's team grow and, and, and prosper. And, uh, but best of all, most of all, don't hesitate to reach out, ask questions. Don't worry about how you get to phrase the question or where WWT could be involved. Uh, what I found time and time again, they'll tell you if it's something they can add value to. And, and, uh, and they'll be honest about it. And as Tanner already said, move at the pace that is necessary for, uh, for whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. So with that, that's Tech 37. My name is Rob Boyd. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we'll see you on the next one. Please hang around.